0: Be sure to tune in to the latest episodes of our show where we break down and analyze the latest in sports news and info. Catch us on the Spotify, Radio Public, and Breaker apps, as well as Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook at Fourth Quarter Podcast with Ed and Unk, on Twitter at 4th underscore podcast, and on Instagram at Ed and Unk. Welcome to the fourth quarter podcast with and Unk. I'm your host Unk, coming to you on this late Tuesday evening. And in today's show, we're going to discuss Kyler Murray choosing football and why I think Dwayne Haskins still should be the first quarterback taken in the draft. Why the 76ers will represent the East in the finals, and will LeBron James regret going to Los Angeles since they didn't acquire AD at the trade deadline. Now, before we get into today's topics, I want to go, I want to discuss why the reason why. We, we didn't have a show yesterday, and why well, I'm coming to you so late in today's show, well, I had some other business ventures to attend to over the weekend, which ended up riding into yesterday and earlier today, and my co-host, Ed, he's, he also has some business ventures to take care of as well, but we, just, I just wanted to let everyone know that there, there's not going to be another gap in the podcast, we take a day off. Really, we didn't take the day off. It's just we had there was other things that we had to tend to, and we didn't have any other host that could pick up the slack for us while we tended to those other priorities. So we just took yesterday off, you know, so that we could take care of that. And I wanted to make sure that today we didn't go today without getting the show out as well. So that's why I'm coming this late. But I want—I rather be late than not get a show out today. So I just wanted to let y'all know why there wasn't a show yesterday, and let y'all know that going forward we're not going to miss any more days. you are going to catch the show Monday through Fridays, and we're going to always—we're going to always have a show available for you on on a, whatever app you, you should listen to the podcast on. So I just wanted to get that out the way, for us. and now we can get into the first topic of today, which is the Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray, choosing football instead of baseball. Now, we all know yesterday, Kyler tweeted that he decided that he was going to go forward with choosing the NFL and choosing to be a quarterback over baseball. Now, yesterday, he tweeted on his uh, Twitter account that, quote, moving forward, I am firmly and fully committing my life and time. ...to becoming an NFL quarterback, in Florida. And, of course, he said more than that, but I just want to stick with that specific line. Okay, now, this tweet comes four days before he was scheduled to report for a spring training. That's key because he really needed to make a decision before spring training came up. So he could let the Oakland A's know what his intentions were. Now, it's key that in his tweet, nowhere did he mention... Baseball or Oakland, not being in the future at all. Like that, that caught my eye because in this tweet, all he, he solely focused on telling people he's committed to football as of now. But he didn't say that he was not going to choose baseball later on, or he's he has completely given up baseball altogether. Which lets me know that he's being smart about it and saying, hey. You know, if this football thing do not work, I'm still leaving the door open to go to baseball. And technically, he's, his door still open because, you know, the Oakland, the Oakland A's, they're going to put him on the restricted list. And they're going to retain his rights. Which means, of course, if the football thing doesn't work and he decides to go to baseball, the Oakland A's do have his rights. You know, so he'll have to report to them. But... I just found that I just found that key that key part what's the word I would say I would find that key part what's the word I'm looking for I found it very intriguing like I said because he didn't say that he was giving up baseball he just said he's focusing now all his time and effort now into being an NFL quarterback now he's going to return 1.9 million of the 1.5 million signing bonus that was given to him last year because when he was drafted by the Oakland A's ninth overall last June. Murray agreed to a minor league contract, which included a $4.66 million signing bonus. And so he's going to return $1.29 million of the $1.5 million that he has already received that was given to him last year. And he's also going to forfeit the remaining $3.16 million, which was due March 1st. Now, the fact that Murray has chosen baseball, like I said, the A is going to put him on a restricted list and retain his rights, but they don't get a compensatory pick. Meaning that since Kyler Murray signed the minor league contract and decided to choose football instead of baseball, Oakland still retains his rights as a baseball player, but they don't get a compensatory draft pick in next year's draft because Murray chose football. Since he signed the contract, they don't get that draft pick back in next year's draft. They just have Murray's rights. Now, as far as the football side of it goes, you know, all the Mike Jones have them going first round. You know, Todd McShay has them going 13th to the Dolphins. Mel Kuyper has them going as high as 8th. And I think, and if you ask me, he might, he, might, he, he if you ask me, I don't think he's going to go no, lo- no lower than 13th. You know, I, I think if all this fails, the Dolphins are going to snag him up and they're going to bring him in because we all know Brian Tanner here isn't the answer down there. And we know they haven't had a quarterback since Dan Marino. Now, as far as Kyler Murray, we all know he won the Heisman, passing for over 4,300 yards and 42 touchdowns, and posting the highest QBR in the college season since the stat was first created back in 2004 get like 95.8 now it's key, to, it's key to mention that Kyler Murray was the first player in FBS history to average 300 yards passing and 60 yards rushing, rushing per game in a season and he also joined Deshaun Watson as the only FBS quarterback to pass for 4,000 yards and rush for 1,000 in the same season and to go along with that his predecessor Baker Mayfield, who also won the Heisman before him the year before, he passed his he broke his passer efficiency rating that Mayfield had set back in 2017. Kyler Murray pretty much obliterated all every all the records you know that he could get his hands on. So as far as football, like I said, like I knew he was going to choose football in the end because if anyone that's played football. And anyone that's played football at a high level, they know being in that environment, being around your teammates, being around your coaches, training staff, you know, the practices, the games, and everything that comes with it, like, once, once you get into that routine, you just fall in love with it so easily, because that environment is just, you catch on to that vibe, and it's a euphoric high uh, cause see, winning in football and winning in baseball is two different things. You can you can win a game in September in football, and you could be ecstatic, you know. But cause you know it's only 16 games in season, every game literally counts. You can't take a off week off. You know, in baseball there's 162 games, and you know you could be in June. You you could go on a four-game win streak in June, and no one really cares. You know it doesn't matter. You don't feel you don't feel the same as you would beating a team in football in in like October because you know every game matters. So you're gonna give your full effort into every game. You're gonna give it your all in every single play, every single game, every single minute, and you know that's gonna be. You know, Like I said, it's it's something something you can't can't compare enough to it because, like I said, football—the football environment—is unique, and you have to just play football to know what it is and how it means. So that's how I knew he was gonna pick football all along. Now, if you ask me about as far as him being a quarterback in the draft, I still take Dwayne Haskins first. I would still put Dwayne Haskins as the top quarterback in the draft. And I, like I said, I understand Kyler Murray won the Heisman and everything, but Dwayne Haskins ain't no slack. I mean, he finished third in the Heisman race. And I mean, and that's not even no slack on him. It's just the fact that Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa had pretty much historic seasons that really Dwayne Haskins really just couldn't beat at the end of the day, even with that, you know, that hot finish to the season that he had, starting with that Maryland game and then beating Michigan. Which really, I I look at it like this: the reason I take Jalen Haskins over Kyler Murray. People, people looking at the size difference. I don't care about size. I'm one of, I'm one of those people that size doesn't matter to me. Can you play? That's all I care about. Can you play the game? And Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins both show that they can play not only the game; they can play quarterback at a high level. Now, I want to take Dwayne Haskins when he played Michigan, and I want to take Kyler Murray when he played Alabama. I want to take those two examples. Now, coming into now with Dwayne Haskins, coming into the the Michigan game, like I said, we um we all felt. Like I said, with that Purdue loss, we all feel like Ohio State was pretty much like, eh, maybe they're a little overrated, you know. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're not as good as they as we think they is. Because, you know, like I said, they got literally bullied in the Purdue game. And for Dwayne Haskins to come back against Michigan, which was the number one defense in the nation at the time. People, people forget that. Dwayne, when Ohio State and Michigan played, Michigan was the number one defense in the nation. Not Alabama. Michigan was. Number one scoring defense, number one all around the board. And Dwayne Haskins lit them on fire like the 4th of July. I'm talking about Michigan literally never had a chance. I mean, it's the best game. Like, and it's crazy because if you watch the Michigan game, you wouldn't even say that was his best game in that little four or five game stretch to end of the season. I would say the... Uh, Either the Big Ten Championship or the Rose Bowl was his best game. But the fact that he was able to do that to the number one defense, I'm talking about shredding from the pocket at that. That just, that let me know then and there that Dwayne Haskins was the real deal. And, you know, we all saw this, the college football playoff semifinal with Oklahoma and Alabama, where Alabama pretty much and shut Kyle Murray and Oklahoma out in the first half. And then, of course, in the second half, Alabama couldn't do nothing with Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray just ran out of time, essentially. And like I said, and with those two games, we saw like we saw the Wayne to dominate from start to finish. And in the Oklahoma and Alabama game, we saw Kyler Murray come back in the second half and try to and try to play catch up with, for his team. And like I said, we ultimately he ran out of time. Excuse me to get them to the win now. Like I said, I picked those two games because, like I said, those are top ranked defenses very good NFL Talent on both of them and like I said, Dwayne Hastings had the better game. Like I said, Dwayne Hastings, he is he is a great thrower and Kyle Murray and Dwayne Hastings they have a lot of things to They're both one-year starters, they both backed up prolific. Quarterbacks and for their universities. We all know Baker, Baker Mayfield, where he stands in Oklahoma Sooner history, and we know what have, what J.T. Barrett stands in uh, Ohio State history. You know, and for both of them to pretty much come in from backing up these pretty much college legends for their colleges, and to put on a put on a better season in one year. Than any of the seasons that the previous quarterback had, that was before them. That lets you know that that lets you know the talent level, and it lets you know their drive. To once it's their opportunity, they took full advantage of it. Now, like I said, I take Dwayne Haskins of Kyler Murray still for the simple fact that, like I said, I will go the size on this one because Dwayne Haskins is 6'4 and you know. Dwayne Haskins, unlike Kyler Murray, he isn't a runner. Dwayne Haskins wants to work from the pocket. Like if you if you watch some of the games, some of the games Dwayne Hassan played, you know he's not looking to run. He's looking to throw the ball. He he literally almost doesn't want to run. He literally wants to stay in that pocket, and he will run if need be. And even when he runs when he needs to, he's still trying to throw the ball. Kyler, we all know he can go from zero to hundred just like that. You know, he can he can be in the pocket, and if he runs, and if he needs to run, we know he can take his 60 yards for a touchdown in the blink of an eye. So that's where that's the diff- that's defeat, the, they differentiate. But I just think long term, and this is a credit to Colin Cowherd uh, on the herd, you know, I agree with him when he says that, you know, Dwayne Haskins, 10 years down the line, I just see him being more, being more successful, like I said, Kyler, Kyler Murray is an NFL player. Heck, he might just be an NFL quarterback too, and he might just be a very a real good one. Heck, he might he might even have a better rookie season than because, like I said, it's gonna be like the, the Lamar Jackson factor. And Colin Cowher said this as well. You know, people didn't know how to defend Lamar Jackson when he first got to, got to start and stuff. You know, now they got film on him, they'll be able to defend him better. Well, same thing with Kyler. When he comes in, no one's going to have nothing but Collin's film on him. And it's, they're going to spend the whole season trying to figure out how to defend him. As far as, like I said, so he's probably going to have a better rookie season than Dwayne Haskins. But I just think like five, ten years down the line with Dwayne Haskins, with those tangibles, being under Urban Meyer, you know, playing in that Big Ten and the fact that he is a prolific passer, you know, the fact that he can throw from the pocket, he has to actually have the deep ball and everything. I just think later down the line, with, with the way rules is changing and the fact that he already has the quarterback body and the intangibles, that he's going to be, I'm not, I don't want to say more successful because we don't know how, what the success is going to be between these two. It depends on the situations they land in and things that happen after that. But I just, I just think Dwayne Haskins has a better chance to be a great quarterback than Kyler Murray. Just for the simple fact that he, he is 6'4", and he has the same passing abilities as Kyler. Because if you look at it from a passing standpoint, they both are great with the deep ball. They're great, they're great accurate passers, you know. They can both, they can throw whatever rat they can throw whatever route you need them to. Like I said, the only difference in it in their passing is that Kyle Murray is shorter. You know, and Dwayne Hassan is the typical height for a quarterback. So, like I said, I think Kyle is gonna be great. He's probably gonna have a great rookie season. But well, like I said, I still take Wayne Haskins first, you know, because I think I think backing up J.T. Barrett and learning under Urban Meyer as opposed to you know backing up Baker Mayfield and learning under, under Lincoln Riley is going to help him. It's going to help Wayne Haskins long term better than Kyler Murray. But I think both of them are going to be both both of them going to really be great quarterbacks. If you ask me, it's just I think the one who has a better chance of succeeding than Kyler Murray does, but that's just me. Well, coming up next on the fourth quarter podcast with Ed and Up, I get into why the 76ers will represent the East in the NBA Finals, and later on in the show, I will explain why LeBron James will regret going to LA since they didn't acquire AD at the trade that night. This is the fourth quarter podcast with Ed Unk. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Fourth Quarter Podcast with Ed and Up. I'm your host, Up. I'm see you on this Tuesday evening. And before the break, I discussed that I was gonna explain why the 76ers will represent the East in the finals. Now we all know about, yeah. You know, we know about the trades Seventy Sixers have made this year, and if you ask me, Elton Brand is executive of the year for, for the the moves he's made. I mean, get, getting Jimmy Butler, and then getting Tobias Harris, and essentially moving the process out of the way and upgrading it to the program. <laughs> Which is what I call the it. program of We need stars Our time is now Now it's time for us to push Put all our chips in the middle of the table And go for it I, Now The 76ers have the second best starting five In the NBA beside, Of course behind the Golden State Warriors But The 76ers have the only starting lineup Where each player Averages over 17 points per game Literally, all five of them average over 17 points per game, and I want to talk about the fantastic five of Philly because I want people to understand that in the league we got today, it's not a it, like back in the day it would be okay. You got one superstar, you got two, you got one superstar and a border and a all star, or you got. Two superstars and some role players, or you got three big, or you got three stars and some role players. That's how the NBA used to be. Now in this NBA, in this era, it's about getting the most talent collected as far as the starting five goes. Getting as much talent as you can and pushing it all, going all in, pushing all your chips in, and going for it. Now, the 76ers did exactly that. Now, we know about the playoffs last year; had they lost in the semifinal round, the Celtics for the win. And we have to, and if you look at it on the surface, you know, losing four games to one, you would think that series was even close. But well, actually, three of the games came down to last-minute possessions, and literally those three games were decided on coaching. You know, Brad Stevens was just a better coach in those winding seconds in the game, which ultimately led, which ultimately led the Celtics to win the series 4-1. But we knew coming into this season, the Celtics needed—I mean, excuse me—Celtics, the 76ers. They needed depth. They needed shooting, shooting, and they needed some more capable scoring scores because Embiid is going to get his. But we all know. You. JJ Reddick is a one-trick pony. He's looking for a three-pointer. He's a he's a setup shooter that he's gonna wait for, he's gonna wait he's gonna let the offense run through and then he's gonna get open and he's gonna shoot the three. We all know Ben Simmons, he can't shoot. I don't care what nobody says, I don't care how many, I don't care how many jump shots and threes he makes in practices, none of that matters if you don't do it in the game. And until he does it in the game, he's not a shooter. He can't shoot for me. King. I don't care how many attempts in practice. I don't care what he does in the All-Star game. I don't care what he does. He cannot shoot until he proves otherwise. And we all know that Ben Simmons—the only way he can score is getting to the basket. So we and we saw that in the playoffs. You know, they collapse the paint. You know, they let Embiid get his, but they're like, we're not gonna let anybody else score. We're not gonna let Ben Simmons get in the rhythm or get to the rim easy. You know, get all these easy layups and dunks and stuff. We're going to make him into a jump shooter. And we're going to see if he can beat us. Which ultimately he couldn't. And I, I thought I thought he would, I wouldn't say improve his jump shot this year. I thought going into this year he would take more attempts. Not necessarily have more makes, but just I thought he would attempt more jump shots that way. As time progressed, people would understand that you have to get out there on him, because eventually, with all those attempts, you're gonna end up knocking down a few here and there. And after a certain point, teams are gonna have to respect the fact that not necessarily you're gonna make the shot, but the fact that you're taking it and you could make it. You know, that's what I thought Ben would incorporate into his game going into this season, which obviously he hasn't, and he showed in the first half of the se- in the first part of the season before. And which of course led to them going to get Jimmy Butler, who we all know, who we get, who all who, we, ah, excuse me, who we all know is a capable scorer. And then for Ellen Brand to take it one step further and go out to get Tobias Harris, that just showed me that Elton Brand is, um, uh, is is in the mind frame of guys. This is our year. This year right here is our chance. LeBron James is out of the East. The East is up for grabs. Yeah, we're yeah, we're around that fourth seed. You know, Milwaukee, Toronto, you know, they're in front of us right now. But we we know come playoff time, we out of all the teams that are gonna make the playoffs in the East, we know we're gonna have the best players on the court when it comes down to it. Like I said, I think Giannis is the best player in the East and then it's Embiid, but, the, but like I said, if they play the books, you know, after Giannis and Embiid, who's the next best player? The next, the, the four next best players after Embiid are all on the 76ers, so with that being said, I think the 76ers can get through Milwaukee, because we know outside of Giannis, you know, no one can get their own shot, and we know they're going to turn Giannis into a jump shooter come playoff time. He's not going to get out these dunks and get into the lane. And until, just like Ben Simmons, until Giannis shows that he can be a capable shooter, then I have no faith in him learning how to be, become a shooter once playoffs begin. And we all know how the defense tightens them in the playoffs. Now, against Toronto, we know we know they have Kawhi. They just made the acquisition for Marc Gasol. But, you know, I think Gasol, like I said, he's still a playmaker and everything, but he's not that defensive player of the year no more. You know, NB to be able to get his against Mark Gasol, you know, Kawhi Leonard, he's their best defender, and, but, you know, they're going to they're gonna stick him on maybe Ben Simmons, and, and you know, they have Danny Green, who's their second best defender, they'll probably stick him on Jimmy Butler, you know, that still leaves Tobias Harris, that still leaves J.J. Redick, and, you know. After Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, there's no one else who can guard who can really just play one-on-one man defense against someone on their team. We know Kyle Lowry is a size advantage, is a size disadvantage, and like I said, we got Pas- we got Pascal Siakam and OG OG Aninobi, but I, I like I said, they're still young and they got swept in last year, so. I still think they're still growing as far as being capable defenders and learning how to lock down defensively in a playoff series when you have time to prepare for just one team. I think they still have that to learn. And like I said, they got Kawhi Leonard and everything, but I just just don't think – I think when it comes down to it, as far as the Raptors go, that I don't think that everyone else is just going to pick up the game. Like I said – Thing. The problem with Toronto never with DeMar DeRozan. The problem with the Toronto Raptors is that everybody, everybody crowd would freeze up. It wasn't the fact that DeMar DeRozan would freeze up. It was the fact that everybody else would freeze up. No one would step up and help DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. It's like, once DeMar DeRozan and Kyle got took out the game, it was like, everybody else was like, Well, we well, you know, we can't do nothing. <laughs> you know, we can't do anything. So, you know, we're just going to fold over. And, you know, even I, like I said, even though they got Kawhi Leonard, I still don't think I still don't think that you know they have that they have that mental block out of their mind yet. That you know we are even though LeBron James isn't there, we still we still just can't get through that mental block and, and get that out of our head. So I think the Raptors are just gonna be the Raptors and probably go out in the second round as well if for we the Eastern Conference Finals, whichever one they make it to. I just don't think they're going to make it to the Finals. And I think, with that being said, Kawhi ultimately leaves Toronto. Now, the Celtics. We know the Celtics going through a rough patches. Like I said, last year, making it to the Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. With that young group, without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward. We all saw that. It was spectacular. But, I didn't see it that Because, Brad Stevens is a coach that, if it was up to him, he would take... B-plus players, like, he he. Does, if, if you ask Brad Stevens, he doesn't, he wouldn't want, I mean, he wouldn't say he doesn't want a superstar, but if it was up him, he would rather, I like, Brad Stevens, he would be a great coach for, like, a Detroit Pistons of 2004, you know, no superstar, bunch of castaways, you know, everybody just wants to prove they serious, you know, a team like that, Brad Stevens, that's why they, did what they did last year, you know, with Jason Tatum being a rookie, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier being those young players, you know, they just want to prove that they belong. You know, they just, they want to prove that, yeah, we can still do, we can still make noise even without Kyrie and Gordon Taylor hey, here. And I think that this year, you know, everyone everyone has an ego now, and now everybody's trying to get theirs, like Marcus Morris said, just a bunch of individuals. So I think ultimately the Celtics are just... They're not going to be able to coexist come playoff time. And, you know, Kyrie, uh, if Kyrie comes back healthy and have, doesn't have any, if he doesn't have any problems going forward in the playoffs, we know Kyrie's going to do his thing. But I just think everybody else just, after last year, everybody else has an ego now, and that's going to interfere with the team's success going into the playoffs, you know. Because once the playoffs start, egos have to go out the door. You just have to do what's best for, the, for your team to win that game that night and to get to that series. And I just think ultimately, like, those young guys, their egos are going to implode on them and it's going to get the best of them. We're just going to end up taking a focus off, trying to win the game. And I think ultimately they're going to lose in the second round, which, is, which in turn will end up making Kyrie beat Boston, which... Ultimately just the Sixers who like I said they had the best starting five in the East and second in the NBA outside of Golden State. And you know, yeah, they got their fresh air egos, but I just think that the amount of talent that they have, because we talk about the talent the Celtics have, but a bunch of that is hinging off young guys, you know, guys who who haven't just proven anything yet. Like the Sixers, they all their guys are established players. And they all have their their veterans and their established scores. They know that now the only thing they can get in the 76ers' way is there's one there's only one basketball. And of course, like I said, everybody everybody in the in the starting five for six averages over seventeen. So come playoff time, they're going hopefully they realize, okay, and B, the offense is gonna go through you. Jimmy Butler, you're our closer Ben Simmons, you're our facilitator Tobias Harris You're you're our You're our scorer You're our scoring option Who can get his own But can also get his You know, off the ball You know, Tobias Harris is Outside JJ Reddick, the only one who doesn't Need the ball to be effective And, you know Like I said, the 76ers have their Own set of egos, but I just think that the fact that they're veterans and the fact that they'll be able to supplant their ego come playoff time because they know what it means to try to it, to, try, to get into the playoffs, to try to make a push for an NBA championship. You know, they know that they're going to have to put all the foolishness aside and they're going to have to lock in, become a team, and do what's best for the team to win a game and then win the next game and to ultimately winning the series. So, if you ask me if... I think they're going to... Of course, they're going to make easy work of what they get in the first round. It's going to be about a six... It's going to be about a six-game series in the second round. And then, I think ultimately, it's going to be a seven-game series coming to Eastern Conference Finals with Philadelphia, of course, winning, winning the... Uh, is it college Finals To go to the Go to the Finals No, Just me personally I think The reason they're Going to end up In the Finals Is the fact that like I said They have veterans They have veterans Who Understand Who are going to Understand Some playoff time That We We have certain Positions on this team And for us to Play Ball At our Highest level And to succeed How we want to How uh, how we want to get to that championship, we're going to have to follow to those roles, and then we're going to have to execute down the stretch. And part of that is Simmons and B learning from that 4-1 semi-final slot last year and knowing how close those games were and knowing the margin for error in the playoffs is slim to none. I think they're going to learn from that, and I think they're going to use that come playoff time. Now they have Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler They got some other guys who can get the offense going in case teams lock down on Embiid and Simmons. You have two other capable scorers who can get their own buckets. So I just think, because I think that's that's the only thing they need last year, you, you know, in the playoffs. Because like I said, outside of Joel Embiid, then, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, all you got to do is keep him outside of the paint. JJ Reddick, he would allow others to give him his shot. And then after that, literally no one else on the team has anything to contribute. So I think those key additions of Buckingham and Harris are going to play out in the long run because as far as the other teams in the East, the 76ers, even if you shut down one or two of their guys, they still going to have two other options at the very least who can generate offense, who can get them offense, you know, come playoff time. And then we know Jimmy Bullock's a capable defender. We know Tobias Harris is a capable defender. We know Jordan B is a capable defender. And when Ben Simmons is a capital defender. So, you know, that's the reason why I think they'll end up winning the East. Now, when they get to the finals, if they meet the Warriors in the finals, depending on health and the kind of streaks they're running, depending on how they play in the conference finals, it could easily go It could easily go seven games. Which, I think if the 76ers and the Warriors end up in the finals, it's going to go seven games. You know, because the 76ers they have length and athleticism, and like I said, they can they can play with the Warriors as far as from a defensive perspective. Like I said, we all know the Warriors outside of Curry have a lot of length on, on their side, and the 76ers have that as well, and they can defend. Now, like I said, of course it's the Warriors, so it's gonna come down to the 76ers. You know, locking down defense and making shots. If you're going to beat the Warriors in the finals, the 76ers are going to have to make shots, and the key and the key factor, the key player in all of that, is going to be Ben Simmons, because the Warriors, they're they they've been a great defense, defensive team for the past five years as well, and we know come the finals time they really lock down on defense as far as you know making you. Making you not making you one-dimensional as far as you know. If a team likes to get jump shots, they're gonna make you earn it. They're gonna make you earn it by getting layups. If a team shoots three, they're gonna make sure you get it by you know getting jump shots. You know, getting to the free throw line. You know, and I just think that they're gonna lock, They're gonna try. They're gonna try their best to that because Embiid. At the end of the day, even though they got cousins. Embiid is going to get his regardless so I think they're not going to be able to do anything with Embiid just like 76 is not going to do anything with the rim but it's going to be Ben Simmons who's going to have to be the one that's going to have to make the shots because if everybody else plays to their game and Ben Simmons is able to knock down shots when needed then I think 76ers can pull off an upset of the Warriors and in their dynasty but that's just my opinion on it. That's just that's my reasons on why I think the 76ers will represent the East in the finals instead of the Celtics, Raptors, or Bucks. I think they will meet the Warriors, and yeah, I think ultimately, if I can put my chips on the table, I think the Warriors are going to end up winning seven. But yeah, my pick for the East is the 76ers. Uh, coming up next on the Fourth Quarter Podcast with Adam, um, I will discuss LeBron James. And how he might regret going to LA since Magic Johnson and the Lakers failed to get Anthony Davis at the trade deadline. This is the fourth quarter podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth quarter podcast with Ed and Unk to you on this Tuesday evening, brought to you by the Anchor app, your number one stock for recording, editing, and distributing your podcast. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as the Spotify app, Radio Public, and the Breaker app. And before the break, I was discussing the 76ers, of why the 76ers are going to represent the Eastern Finals, and in this Section I'm going to discuss why LeBron James is going to regret going to LA since the Lakers didn't acquire Anthony Davis. Now I want to start by saying when this whole Anthony Davis thing happened, I already I saw right through it and I knew that this was going to end bad for the Lakers. Reason being because I knew once AD made it clear he wanted to trade. I knew that the Lakers knew that it was their opportunity. That was finally their opportunity to try to get AD. And I knew that to get AD, I knew they were going to involve the young players they have and in Kuzma, Ingram, and Lonzo Hart, and all of those guys. But you have to understand, when you're dealing with millennials, when you're dealing, dealing with young adults, you know, their psyche and their mental mind mind frame isn't as isn't as stable or isn't as strong as say a, a ten year vet in the league. You know, I mean, we're talking about guys in their what second, third, second, first, second, third years in the league, and they already been talked about getting traded. I mean, the fact that you're a young guy and you're and you know that any day could be your last day on this team, I mean, that is going to, that's going to cause a ripple effect, and I think, and I think the damage is done, I think these young guys, after going through that for a week and a half, two weeks, you know, I think they realize that, you know, I'm really explainable. they really don't care about me here, you know, they understand it's a business and everything, but they came in thinking, right, you know, I got drafted, You know, at least I'm going to have a chance to, you know, make my mark and show them that I belong here in the NBA and I belong in the Lakers. Now, outside of Kuzma, nobody else has shown that they deserve to stay on the Lakers with LeBron. But I still think that you just can't do that. I mean, it would be a different situation if these were veterans we were talking about, Trace for Anthony Davis. You know, they've been in the ringer you know, a while. They've been in the league. They know how the league works, you know. They've been through their rough times as well. So, you know, they're more equipped for it. But we're talking about young guys who have never been in a trade rumor in their life. And the time that they're finally in one, I mean, we're talking about five young basketball players. Magic was talking about giving up five young basketball players for one player, for one, Anthony Davis. Like, that has to do something to a young player's psyche, the fact that our executive was willing to give up five of us for just one person. Like, why Why should I play hard? And it really shows in that time leading up to the deadline in those games, you know. You could see the young guys really not giving it all. You know, you could see them just, just disengaged. Like I said, in the Pacers game, you could see, like, they were just... They weren't, that was not interesting because they knew that, that that could be their last game in the Lakers jersey. Like, they, I mean, they saw Harrison Barnes. I mean, he had just scored 10 points in the third quarter. And come the fourth quarter, he found out he was traded to Sacramento. Like, it can happen that fast. And them knowing that that they could be traded literally in-game while they're playing, like, they're not going to get their, their full effort. And that's gonna take. That's gonna take a toll. Now, I always said that they shouldn't go after there at New Davis. What they should. What they should have done. What they should have done was take this year. And let me say, of course, they didn't expect LeBron to get hurt. But even with LeBron James' injury, I just think they should have took this year. Let the young guys work with LeBron and see how they fit which young pieces fit around LeBron, you know, which ones do we see them, do we see fitting around LeBron for a playoff push, you know, for a championship push, but, the fact that, you know, because we knew they weren't going to be no superstar until, until this summer, you know, because Paul George decided to stay in Oklahoma City, but, this, this thing about trading that line, trading, trying trade to trade that line, you know, you have you have players on your team and you're already you've already went through pretty much a half a season worth of games. And when you get and when you have a certain date and a certain time to where to where you can make changes to improve your team and your franchise moving forward, you know, there's a positive and a negative effect to that. Like I said, you can improve your roster and franchises for that year or many years to come, but at the same time you're taking something away, like, that's us thing about the trade deadline, people fail to realize you're, you're probably getting something good or really good in return but you're still taking away from what you already have that you know that is a known commodity, you know you're taking away from that, so it's more. It's always a risk reward thing when it comes to trading at the trade deadline, because we all know that As the trade deadline nears The trades get more hectic They get more outrageous They get more extreme And as you saw As the time went down You would see these trades you're like, huh? you, They traded him for a second round pick Wait, they traded him for three, three, three second Three second round picks You know, and that's just the thing Like I so said, you're going to give up Something to get something good But you have to understand that what you're getting back may be good, but it may not be better in the long run. And I just I just think that when the Lakers decided they wanna go on in and try to get the get Anthony Davis, that they really messed with the camaraderie and they mess with the team chemistry in the team. Because now you got players that's not that's now, even though the trade deadline's over, they know this probably they're probably not gonna make it past this year on the team. You know, and Luke Walton is in the bind because he has to manage LeBron and these young guys. Like I said, Luke Walton was here before LeBron and Magic got here, and so like he's in the bind. He's in the real bind, trying to manage all of this. And of course, we know LeBron's gonna be LeBron, and we know secretly he wanted Anthony Davis. He could have cared less if the young guys got traded or not, but he's he's of course gonna play it out and you know, Like you know, this is our team. We're gonna move forward with what we got, but we all know LeBron James. If it was up to LeBron James, he would have traded everybody on the he would trade everybody on the team, the janitor, the water boy, the season ticket holders, the mascot. He would trade everybody for Anthony Davis, but it's not up to him, so he just had to sit back and let Magic do his thing. And I want to I want to give credit to Dale James, the general manager for the Pelicans, because for the most for, for the most time. People looked at Dale Dempsey and said that he has done a terrible job. And I'm not I'm not gonna bash him say he's done a terrible job. I'm not gonna say he's done a good job. He's definitely not done a great job. You know, I'm just, I'm just not gonna say he's done a bad job. But I will give some credit on this. We all know about the the suave that magic rose with. You know, we you know magic likes to be there. Suave, so suave, man. That, you know, that finesse kind of guy. You know, I'm mad you know, I'm magic. You know, I you know, it's me. And I give Bill Debs a lot of credit because he said I could care less if you was Magic Houdini or Magic Johnson or the Orlando Magic. <laughs> he didn't care. He said, We're staying packed. Anthony Davis is still in the contract for, for the rest of the season and all the next season. We don't have to do anything right now. He, uh, I give Dale Dale this, this credit in this regard. He played he played magic in the Lakers. You know he made them put out. He made them pretty much give with themselves. He made them look like fools because they were really the only ones out there bidding for Anthony Davis because everyone knew that Dale Dempse wasn't gone. Give Anthony e. Davis up this early that he was gonna wait for the summer because that's when everybody else can play a factor into the trade talks. So the fact that he was able to play Magic Johnson and the Lakers into thinking there was a possibility that they can get Anthony e. Davis on the whole time. He knew he wasn't gonna give up Anthony e. Davis. Listen, I give him credit to this because now, like I said, now he has information on what the Lakers better best offer is, he already has that in hindsight, so come summertime, when everybody else is getting, and the Lakers come forward like, hey, this is our package, he can look back and be like, nah, this package ain't as good as the one you try to get me back at the deadline, you know, he can always play that card, and he can always use, well, you know, now we got the other teams involved, so you have to give up a little more than that, so I give him that credit in that regard. See, Dale Demps, for the most part, he, ha- he hasn't done a good job, but he has done a good job as far as this Anthony Davis thing has been concerned. Cause you know, it, what An- Anthony Davis did, and it's not it's not wrong what he did. Like I said, I think he did it a year or two too late. I would have I would have done it back when their rookie extension, when you signed the rookie extension. I would have told them that they got two years to get it together then, but that's just me. Now, the Pelicans, they are in a tough bind, because either way, Anthony Davis is leaving, one way or the other, so they have to figure out, okay, if he's going to leave anyway, and we don't want to lose him for nothing, what's the best package that we could get for us moving forward, because you you have to also take into account there are a lot of things that are factoring into this. We have to see if the Knicks are going to get the number one pick because they might be able, they might be trying to, they might have the eyes on Zion Williams. We also have to take into account the Celtics factor. You know, the only reason the Celtics can trade for him was because Kyrie, just like Davis, is on his rookie extension. And we all know that once Kyrie signs, his, if Kyrie signs his new deal with Boston in the summer, then they can trade for Anthony Davis, you know, and then, like I said, we know Danny Ainge, the finesse of all finesses, like I tell tell people, you cannot finesse a finesse, you know, people like the Brooklyn Nets tried to finesse Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge finesse them, pretty much Danny Ainge was pretty much pulled the ultimate finesse job in American history with that Brooklyn Nets trade. That's why I call him Mr. Finesse now. But we all know what Danny Ainge is capable of. And with, like I said, the Pelicans, they're also trying to control, keep a it, keep it control, their own lottery pick. Because they're like, what, the seventh worst record in the league. So they're also trying to get a good, their own lottery pick. Plus they're trying to get other picks as well. And also potentially their number one pick. And we know with the Celtics, Danny Ainge, has has his truckload of picks. And he also has picks that he's waiting to see how the end of the season plays out because he might get more picks. He might end up with four first round picks in this upcoming draft alone. So he's really trying to know what he told him, then Edge, told the Dempse, just wait it out. Just wait to the summer, screw the Lakers, screw magic, wait on us, let me let's make it to the summer so I can give you the best package. So that we can get any Davis, and then you can get compensated enough to where you can start another rebuild and possibly try to build something better going forward. Now with all that being said, back to the LeBron factor. I, I said when LeBron, I said when LeBron signed with LA, that that was a bad decision. Basketball-wise, business-wise, it's an excellent decision, and we know why. I don't even get into the business aspect of it, but I was just speaking from a basketball perspective. That was a bad decision because the thing is with LeBron, it, when you're the best player in the, in the world, is that you had your contemporaries. They get to a point where, well, I, I don't want to play with him. I want to show that I can beat him. How am I gonna prove my worth playing with the greatest? In the world, I need to show my worth by playing against him and trying to beat him, and that—that's KD's mindset. And you know, I think the fact that LeBron, uh, you know, I want to wanna pause and go to the Kevin Durant free agency. When Kevin Durant became a free agent, we we knew what what the Warriors did, the Hamptons Five. They all went up there, catered to KD. I'm talking about pretty basically just worshiped him and begged him to come to the Warriors. And we all know that was the, that was influential in him going there, going to Golden State. And with LeBron, I just don't see LeBron being that type of being that type of player. I think LeBron as being too good to to beg too much. You know what I'm saying? You know, I I see LeBron as, you know, I'm the best player in the world. I mean that should be enough for players to want to come play with me. Like, come on now, I'm the best. Like, you don't want to come play with me over here. Like, players are realizing now it doesn't matter. Being the best player doesn't matter. You know, the type of environment I'm in, players I'm playing with. You know, my chance to succeed both on the individual and the team aspect plays into plays into account. And players are realizing that now. And that's why you see a Paul George, who said he was going to go to L.A. regardless, ends up staying in Oklahoma City instead. Why you see how uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard Leonard gets traded to Toronto, and he hasn't mentioned anything else about L.A. since then. now, of course, we still don't know. If he's going to stay or not, you know, it all depends on what happens in the playoffs and then how he feels come kind of free agency time. But, like I said, that's, the Lakers, you know, if, I would say if this was back in 2009, maybe, 2010, I would say there would be a whole bunch of free agents lining up to come join LeBron in L.A. But it's the fact that, you know, LeBron in year 16, you know, LeBron's on the decline. You know, even though he's a great player, he's on the decline as all players are. And we're talking about LeBron on the, on the back end of his career as opposed to like in his prime or early on in his career. And at this point, you know, players don't want to play with LeBron. They know LeBron's time, LeBron's reign as the best player and over this NBA is slowly coming to an end. So now we see other people, other players teaming up other teams getting together and saying, alright, this is our window, you know, LeBron's fading. you know, the Warriors can't stay together forever, you know, you see all these other teams trying to buy for it and trying to beat LeBron instead of joining him, you know, the free agent class is coming up, we all know it includes, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Kimball Walker, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, and others, but out of all those names I may, only one I maybe see going to LA is maybe a Kimball Walker Clay Thompson only if the Warriors don't offer him the max money because I think they should give Clay that max money and then they should either trade Draymond or not, definitely not sign Draymond to, to a big contract definitely not because you can find a Draymond Green in the NBA you can find you can find a defender in the NBA. Now, a Klay Thompson who can give you a knockdown three consistently and can give you 60 points on any given night, you can't find that. So, that being said, if I was the Warriors, I would pay Klay Thompson. But like I said, I saw Kimball Walker and maybe Klay Thompson. I don't see none of those other guys going to LA. because I see those other guys, we well, you know KD ain't going. Like I said, he's trying to prove the point that he's the best player, not LeBron Kawhi Leonard, I don't see Kawhi going there. I think Kawhi would be better suited for the Clippers, you know, being his own man and you know having having another star beside him as opposed to him being beside LeBron. Per se, you know, he would rather be in LA, he would rather be with the Clippers with a superstar and them being on equal footing than being with the Lakers and then people still saying, you know, it's LeBron. It's LeBron doing doing most of it, and why on the side, and you know, we you know Kyrie. I just don't see Kyrie going to LA with LeBron. I'd see him going to the Knicks. I just see him going home, cause you know, cause you we know, all know he didn't even ask to go to Boston, and the fact that he at the beginning of the season he said he's definitely gonna sign, to now But he's saying, ask me in July. Yeah. <laughs> Now, that's up in the air, and I just don't see him going to the West Coast to be with LeBron. I still see him as trying to be a leader and lead his own team to a championship, and so I think he's up going to the New York Knicks, and like I said, KD's not going. So, really, that only the leaves, Kimball Walker and Clay Thompson, and you're not winning a championship with Kimball Walker. Now, if you get a Clay Thompson, then you get some other key pieces around you, that is a, that's going to be a dangerous team. But like I said, I just don't, I just don't see the Warriors lowballing Clay Thompson to make to have, give him a reason to leave. So I see him as off the table. So it's only Kim Walker now, and Jimmy Butler. He's not the player at this point in his career. I see Jimmy Butler as a guy who can still get his own shot. Who's a capable defender, but he's not a superman side. So he's not a superstar. I mean, he's, he's an he's an NBA all star at best you know if he at best you know on your, you know on a good night you say oh yeah that's jimmy butler oh, that's all star but at the same time you got gonna be like well you know jimmy butler yeah he's all right so and we all know lebron he wants a superstar that's why they wanted anthony davis like he wants an all nba player he doesn't want scrubs like that's what he has now even though they're nba players I just think LeBron's gonna end up regretting this for the simple fact that like I said, the Lakers they weren't in a winning situation before he got there. I know he wanted to go to LA, you know. Winning winning as a Lakers just brings a whole different kind of weight to it. And like I said, he's he wants to live he wants to take his legacy to a whole nother level. And winning in LA would definitely do that. Especially going to a Lakers team, who had been in the lottery for the past three, four years before he got there, but it's just, it's the Lakers, but it's not, it's not, it's not going to the Lakers like back in the day, like when Shaq went to the Lakers, like when Shaq went to the Lakers, and they drafted Kobe, like you can see, all right, they're going to restart, alright, the Lakers, they got something going now, they really, I can see this going, oh you know, Magic them, you know, you just you, it was a it was a feeling. You could feel it with with those two times, but with, with LeBron you just don't feel it. You know, and I and I think the fact and people go and Paul George saying, okay, see, that's gonna be that's more important than people realize. And that's gonna come back to Hunt. Hunt LeBron and the Lakers because they did not put their whole effort in trying to get Paul George. And you know, like I said, that's gonna come back to Huntington thing because, like I said, he decided to stay in Oklahoma City, and that's why the ripple effect that's gonna trickle down all the way through LeBron's stay in LA. Because if you couldn't get Paul George to leave OKC to come to LA and play with LeBron, I mean, we're talking about OKC. I mean, LA, OKC. <laughs> like, let's let's do let's do the math here. Which would, you rather, which, which would you rather be at? Okay, that explains it. <laughs> you know, but the fact that, you know, Paul George decided to stay with Westbrook in Oklahoma City shows that, you know, playing with LeBron ain't really just all it was cracked up to be, you know. And we're slowly realizing that players, they don't want to be attached to LeBron. They're, they want to be their own person. We all know if you play with LeBron, it's LeBron and the others. But no matter who you are, it's always going to be LeBron and the others. That's always, that how it's always been. That's how it's going to be until he retires. And you know, players are realizing that they don't want to be backseat to LeBron. They want their own situation. And they're taking it upon themselves to put themselves in their own situation. And this upcoming summer, with all these teams having this cap space, that's where, that's what's gonna hurt the Lakers the most because it'll be different if they if it was only them and like the Knicks to have the capital for max players. We're talking about about six teams that can give max contracts after. 2 mm-hmm. that's, I mean, it's been a very long time since that's been that's been the case. And with all these big time all NBA players becoming free agents, and, you know, and then them seeing, all right, this is an opportunity for me to go to my own team, you know, recruit somebody else, we be on equal footing, and then try to push for a championship, mm-hmm. they, they see a perfect opportunity in it, and, you know, they're taking advantage of it as we speak, but, like I said, the reason I think LeBron is going to regret going to L.A. is because all the other stars are at a point where they want to they don't wanna be the other. They don't wanna be the other to LeBron. They wanna be their own person. They want their own team. They want their own legacy. They want their own championships. And they know with LeBron, LeBron's gonna get all the credit. You're gonna get all the blame. And then it's never gonna be a perfect situation. So I think players realizing it and they're just taking it upon themselves to put themselves in better situations. And then it's also the age factor where you know, LeBron is on the back end of his career coming out of the, uh, his first serious injury in his whole career. So I think those are the main points that are gonna be the reason why LeBron regret for there And like I said, make sure to keep an eye on Paul George saying Okay, see I really think that's gonna be the that's gonna be the main focus as to why he's gonna regret this and the ripple effect that's gonna have going forward. I just think that Paul George staying in Oklahoma City was bigger than most people made it out to be. I think that was a major catalyst to other players to show that they don't have to go with LeBron they don't, if they don't want to go with LeBron. And all big players are really taking upon themselves to play, to play with each other as opposed to trying to play with LeBron. And, and then they trying to win championships on their own as opposed to being a backseat rider and to LeBron... If he won the championship. But that's just my opinion on the situation. Like I said, if I was LeBron, if I was LeBron, I would easily, easily. See, me, I'm going to sit until a Spurs See, for me, if I was LeBron James, and I look back on history, every great, every NBA great played for a historically great coach. You know, Shaq and Kobe and Michael, Scottie Pittman, they played the field. Magic Kareem James where they played for Pat Riley. You know, the Grace always had that all-time great coach. The coach, and LeBron's never had that. I just, if I was LeBron at this stage in my career, I would've went to San Antonio and got and played for a great popovich. You know, and just had that. Because I think, like I said, even though San Antonio doesn't have the team, I just think LeBron James under a coach like Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich is gonna always bring the best out of his players and you know, having you know, outside of Tim Duncan and you know, David Robinson, the Spurs haven't had just that superstar. I mean, Tim Duncan, I mean he was an all NBA player, he's a Hall of Famer and everything, but he just he wasn't he was real quiet, you know, he he Tim isn't a superstar in the sense that we think of today. You know, because he was so reserved and quiet and everything. But as far as, like, global superstars, you know, Popovich has never had one of those. And I think LeBron not, not having a Hall of Fame coach, I think those two going together, that would have been a great pairing. And then, you know, with the quiet situation, I think that would have that eased over. The Spurs you know, transition. That would have eased the Kawhi Leonard situation out the door easier if LeBron James was coming in the door after Kawhi. But that's just my opinion on, on the situation. Well, folks, that does it for us today. You know, we know with Kyle Leary, the Football, the 76 Sixers representing the Eastern Finals, and while LeBron is going to recruit on the L.A., well that you know that does it for us on this episode of the Fourth Quarter Podcast. Everyone, be sure to check us out on the Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, as well as the Spotify, Radio Public, Outcast, and Breaker apps. And also be sure to follow us on Facebook at Fourth Quarter Podcast, on Twitter at fourth underscore podcast, and then on Instagram at Ed and Um. Tune in tomorrow for tomorrow's episode. And everyone enjoy the day. It's 4th Quarter Podcast with everything else.